Another episode of the Desolation Angel Radio Podcast with your host and producer, Kip Williams, is up and rolling.
Margot Price, Stranger in a Strange Land, a tribute album, a song for Leon. It's a tribute to Leon Russell. And I'd pay close attention to uh, that song. There's something I'm going to talk about coming up later, Desolation Angel Radio. There's actually two editions of the podcast coming out this week. And tonight, the one we have, I'm really excited about. Uh, for anybody that knows the regular cycle on the podcast, we're through the Great Blue Heron Music Festival. But there are three more music festival weekends coming uh, later on this summer and three more weekends centered around wellness, uh, things like meditation, breath work, guided forest walks, uh, drumming, um, gong baths, it, it just really kind of center on, on being a whole healthy human being. And of course, the farm store is, is open. And we'll talk more about that in the second hour of the show. Uh, so, but this isn't a Heron show. I've also been doing that cycle with the Breakfast Club, so aptly named, uh, the, the eight people that, that comprise the core of the Comstock Class of 75 that you've been hearing all the way since last October. And, and we've gone back to once a month, and um, that's the second episode of the podcast coming out this week, and that is a call that we did last week with myself and Steve and Jill and, and Gina, John got on for a little while, and, and uh, Tom and, and Diane and, and Mary um, couldn't make it that night. But uh, Breakfast Club, so aptly named. And, of course, I appreciate John naming me Steve Bender, or John Bender, rather. Steve naming me John Bender, because if there's a John Bender of the group, it's me in that Breakfast Club. No, what we've got this week is, is something that I've wanted to do for a while. A very good friend of mine, uh, Greg Haley, just published a book. I did an interview with him. And, and we're going to jump into that interview right after this, and you can listen to what Greg has to say about the book, but, but I really am impressed with the book. Now, in terms of the music this week, like I said, pay attention to, uh, and, and pay attention to the one I just named, because after the interview with Greg, um, the, the remainder of, of the show is going to be filled with music that all has literary references, and I'll talk more about that, and there's actually a contest around that. But there will not be a piece of music in here that does not have a literary reference of some kind in it. But for now, let's, uh, let's hear what Greg has to say about his new book, Stranger in the Valley. Here we go. So, folks, you know, for anybody who regularly listens to the show, you, you realize that all the way through the spring I do Great Blue Heron music shows. I also have the uh, once every two weeks, now once a month during a summer meeting with all the folks that I went to high school with. And along with that, um, we've done interviews with authors I know, like you know, Robert Dean down in New Orleans, um, musicians like River Glenn, River Breitbach uh, on album releases. And I'm really pleased, really pleased to be able to do this show with a, an old friend of mine who has done something that I think is really neat. He's gone ahead and uh, and it's beyond neat. I think it's actually amazing and stupendous, you know, but but he's done what other people talk about. We've got Greg Haley uh, here this week, tonight, on an interview. And and the reason I've got Greg on is, is Greg has just published a book. You want to introduce yourself, Greg, and, and say hi to everybody? Hey, everybody. This is uh, Gregory Haley, and it is uh, great to be on the show with you. Haven't talked to him in a while, and it's nice to catch up. It's, it is good to catch up. Just before um, this recording happened, he and I were catching up real quick on what life has been like. Um, 
I of course live in Buffalo. When he when he first met me, I lived in New Orleans, and he lived in Austin. And you live now in Eugene, Oregon. Well, actually, Springfield, Oregon, which is part of the Eugene Springfield. It's one it's one town, but yeah, Eugene, Oregon. Essentially, I live just down the street from the Oregon Ducks football stadium. Okay, which which reminds me, of course, I've now been here in Buffalo long enough. My sister asked me the other day, it's been seven years, isn't it time for you to move? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, anybody that knows me is like, man, we're coming up on the deadline. Isn't it time to move? Um, yeah. No, we were, we were catching one another up on our summer because normally this week of the year, uh, Greg and I are in the same place. And this year we're not due to our lives and, and things happening. And one of the biggest things in Greg's life, and and something that I know he's always wanted to do, he just the other people talk about it. He did it. Let's talk about what you did, Greg. Uh, so I published a novel, um, and it's a project that I've been working on for about six years. And it was um, this uh, again a passion project, one of those uh, those bucket list things you want to do in your life, and. I had such a great time creating it uh, that it's, I'm actually about halfway through the second one, and there's a third one planned, and it's, things are things are going well. It's exciting to actually be uh, producing and publishing novels like I've always said I was going to. And 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 what's it titled? Stranger in the Valley is the name of the first book, and it is uh, sort of based on this idea of the mysterious stranger and. Um, that is set in Oregon Valley, so that's where we get our name, Stranger in the Valley. And and I will I will give you a spoiler alert, folks. I read it and I loved it. Um, he, he sent it to me. I've read it. I really really enjoyed it. And for anybody who knows me, they know I read more than I watch TV. That that I've done my entire life. I've read, and and I really really enjoyed it. There were elements in there that uh. I mean, there's some great elements in there from fantasy genres, but also there's a, there's a whole Western feel to it. There was, a, believe it or not, I really thought about the uh, the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. Well, oh, thank you. That's a great compliment. Yeah, yeah. it's certainly, certainly uh, one of my big influences is that series. I really enjoyed that, that, that and Neil Gaiman's work, of course, and um, and then... Sort of all the standard fantasy novels. Um, Heinlein is one of my big influences as well. Right, and the influences there influences are there, but I'm going to tell you as as a reader as as a reader that you did a great job of world building. That there might be elements of other things in there, but I think you did a great job of doing some unique world building. You know, there there sometimes with, with first with first attempts authors don't get that world built right and you did right. a good job of building that world the other thing the other thing that i will tell you and we were talking about it again before we, we really hit the air here you did a good job of building characters these are very complex characters there's there's a lot of layers and elements to them thank you that is one of the compliments i've received from uh, several reviewers is that is that these characters you know even though it is a bit of a fantasy adventure novel the characters have real depth to them um and that is absolutely a, uh, was my goal so i thank you for that compliment well i was i was and, and i'm not going to give too much away because i want people to go buy the book and read it but but i will tell you that i was struck not only by the depth of characterization of aj uh, there were two characters in particular 
that I really liked what you did with them. And that would be two of the lead characters and you mixed a lot of elements in there where they're very human. There, there's a tendency to love them but also suspect their motives, to see one side of them and then see another side of them. Um, and I think you know who I'm talking about, the, the sure. brother and sister. And, and yeah. those, those were great characterizations. Thank you. Yeah, it's. Um, um, I spent a lot of time in the rewrites of the novel, creating depth in the characters by trying to make them as as human as we all are. I, I've always been fascinated by the idea of the of the flawed hero, right? This, you know, everyone has their has their flaws. I feel like um, contextually and and culturally people tend to doubt themselves, right? So what's the famous quote? Uh, doubt has killed more dreams than failure ever could, mm -hmm. right? So we tend to doubt ourselves because we're not perfect. Nobody is. And we all, you know, within ourselves, it's always very, it's always highlighted. It's always, we always see that worst part and it holds us back from, I think, chasing our dreams too often. And that's what I wanted to do with these characters as well, is to shape them as people who are, um, both heroic in, in, in their courage and, and how they live their lives, but also troubled with the decisions they've made in their lives and, and the way they have, you know, all the choices they've made and who they are and where their personality flaws are. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun creating those, uh, those influences, but that was the goal, and I'm glad that it has achieved that. The, the other thing that really struck me was this entire redemptive arc for many of the characters, because, and you and I have had this discussion before, spoiler alert folks, Greg and I like one another, we're friends, we have a lot of the same political leanings, we have a lot of the same insights into people, um, and a lot of the same background, but what, what I really loved was the redemptive arc, because there, there's always right. in that hero's journey, the, this redemptive arc, you know, right. and, and, and it's there, and, and it's so well done. And, and, I, and I will tell people, as somebody who also, given my background, is a veteran of many a bar fight, that was one of the best bar fight scenes I've ever seen written and sucked me right into the book. Right, from the, it's a, yeah, I'm reading it going, that's a bar fight. That's really a bar fight. Uh, and that's exactly how they happen. I think that I think anybody who's actually been around or involved in a bar fight will recognize the reality of that scene because I did. I basically took a couple of experiences more than once, Edwin, in my life of of being around those situations uh, or involved, and and just recreated it with these, of course, fantastical characters. Um, that it it was you know it was fun, and I think what most people. You know, we have this sort of Hollywood version of the bar fight, which is this long, knockdown, drag out, breaking things over each other's heads. You know, oh, yeah. fight in a bar, and that's never how they are. No, bar that is last, not how they go at like, all. <laughs> yeah, they, they last like seven seconds. Yep. They're, they're 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 super intense and yeah. and extraordinary, and then they're and it's just and that's what I created. But I tried to do it with as much sort of panache to describing what J.J. is going through in those moments, mm -hmm. like how he's feeling and what he's thinking, so it draws out enough so that the reader can really enjoy the space of it, but also recognize that this is the thing that happens suddenly, and now, it's as, over. As a veteran of more than one bar fight, yes, I like I say, it was written well, <laughs> and, and he did <laughs> do a good job of getting inside his head, but but in the reality of, of the of the book, yeah, it's about a less than 30 second bar fight, So yeah. <laughs> which is how long they yeah. last, by the way folks 
That's, yeah. yeah, it's true. And and just, you know, I'm sure at this point people are wondering, well, what's the book about? And the book is uh, basically the way I've just I've broken it down is, and, and its fundamental nature of the book is a murder mystery with werewolves. But it's that's so underplays. <laughs> it's so understated. <laughs> You know, and, and, and it's, it's a hook. People are like, oh, well, you know, I'll read a murder, murder mystery with werewolves. That sounds kind of cool. But it is, it is a, it is a much broader, deeper study of fantasy and tropes and you know, human nature and as you know, mm-hmm. the redemptive hero. There's, a, there's a lot I built into it that, for me, was just part of that weaving. Right? You just what? you write, you yeah, you write and write and write, and you keep weaving it together until you have you know this fabric that you that you love. That's and you use, yeah, you use the word weaving, and it's very true. It's a tapestry, because yes. what, what I noticed was it would have been easy. It would have been easy to stick within one known set of parameters for, say, werewolves, or right. one of the other races represented in there. And and we can talk about that. You know, um, right. the the enhanced humans or the dwarves. Uh, and it would have been right. easy to to stick within known tropes, but you did an excellent job of weaving different tapestries in there and different elements that people might be used to and bringing in, okay, we're bringing this one in from over here and this one in from over here and this one in from here. And and you've woven several world mythologies into a real seamless narrative. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was... One of the goals when I set out to actually create the story as I was pulling it together was, uh, I, you know, a, a lot of the modern tropes around werewolves and vampires and dwarves and all of the fantasy and, and mythology, it, it's so far removed from their originalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the original mythologies are themselves fascinating, but we've lost touch with them because, you know, we're watching, you know, sparkly people on TV. It's not not the same so i went back and I, I i took all of these tropes and i went back and studied and looked at their the origin stories where did these mythologies originate and what were they to the people then not how we see it now but then and then i took those characters and brought them into a modern story I said how would a character who is that mythology from that time behave this time in this situation and um so it, it, that's the, that was the plan and and that's why i loved it because in me you're talking to somebody who who started out reading you know i was reading by the time i was i was four years old sure and and at my age you know there wasn't streaming there there wasn't a big element of of fantasy in and and that type of world mythology on television there was only three channels and and so i read and i read a lot of different things and and i really appreciated that reach back because i could tell it was there to to right. to weave those together, and and build a pretty seamless world, and 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 it's one that has some promise and some future, you know. Yeah. Because because I, I like I like what you do with it. I like its sense of location and setting, and and by the time you get to the end, you realize there's a much broader world out there. Oh yeah, you know. yeah. That's terrific, and that is and that is the goal I have. You know, and within this story itself, the arc of this story I've already planned out. And then some of the characters that I've created within the story, I'm kind of developing and sensing their own stories. I think Darcy, who's one of the characters in the story, who, when people read it, pull her out. is like, well, I'm really interested in this character. And so I think at some point she'll have her own 
series. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's something for me. Uh, I, I love living and building and creating in these worlds, and I will write other things as well. But I don't think I'll ever stop writing this world because I enjoy it so much. And I really, and, and I'm glad you said that because I really like Darcy. Mm -hmm. I really do. I, I really like Darcy a lot. And, and another figure that really, really affected me was Kane. I, I think yeah. there's a whole story behind Kane that, that needs to be mm -hmm. told at some point. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Um, yeah. and, um, and, and a lot of that's going to come out in the second book as well. You'll get a little bit more into the background of those characters. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's... Right. You know, it's fun. There's a lot. There was a lot in this book that I ended up taking out. You know, it, it came out when it was all said and done to about a hundred thousand words, but the first draft was like a hundred and thirty thousand. And as I went through editors, that we kept, you know, you, you you start combing out all the things that aren't working for the narrative and the story. But there's a lot of side stories and backstories that I think I can weave into future novels that will just give them more depth. But there's more there, and some of them, some of the outtakes, I'm going to end up just putting up on my website um, that you know, so people can see my process i i am a, a writing teacher by trade uh, i did a phd in writing so that i could teach writing and uh, so that's something i'm wanting to do as part of this project as well is to teach people this process of novel writing and well I, uh, of all people you could talk to greg this is me and, yeah. and the person who uses three thousand words when 300 will do so right, exactly. i really get that <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's true like, yeah, my, 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 there's, there's two kinds of writer's block, really. There's the, you know, there's the, I can't think of what to write, and there's the, I can't stop writing everything and thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, I <laughs> toward that side, so. I, I, yeah, I remember when I was writing and performing on stage down in New Orleans, and, and right. that was spoken word, and we tried to keep it to between five and seven minutes. They would always use me near the end, because right. me sticking to five or seven minutes, no, it was not going to happen. <laughs> I had the same problem, um, but it's it, no. This was a this was a terrific story to create. Um, I, I I wanted characters who different people could associate with. You know, you, we've got you know some elder characters in there who are wizened. We have young people in there who are trying to figure their way out in, in the world, and we have just you know the various conflicting personalities who, when they get together, sometimes they get along well, and sometimes they don't. And it's just that's. That's the real world. So that is the real world. That, that I mean, because in the real world, no matter how much I might love someone and how close a friend they are, we're right. not always going to get along one hundred percent of the time, and we're not always going to agree. It's right. just not going to happen. Right. You know, and that's reality. Yeah. That, that's how real people interact. You know, right. But so. that doesn't mean you have any less love for those people. No, it doesn't, those doesn't people mean you love them any less. Right. You know. Right. I also one of the one of the keys for me, and this is something that you and I both, you know, from our our deeper, uh, more private conversations can uh, relate to, is my goal was to also demonstrate what a healthy male relationship building experience looks like, and I do that with AJ and Skinner. Oh right? yeah, you it's, do it very well with AJ and Skinner. Yeah, very is, well. you know, I think that too much in our literature we are missing, especially for men. You know this this lack of opportunity to demonstrate what healthy relationships look like. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, it's almost impossible to find in in modern literature. 
right now. So that was that was part of that relationship building that I wanted to get across. And, and I really like the character of Skinner, who's, you know, mm-hmm. the grizzled old Marine uh, sergeant who's, you know, living in this valley full of, you know, werewolves and other strange creatures of mythology, and he's human, and what that's like, what his experience is like. Um, yeah, well. And then... Yeah, and then, and the other part of it too is for me are having strong women characters, strong female characters, um, who are fully capable of self care and preservation, have their own power, and are not to be messed with in that power. You know that that there can be this this place where both exist, where you know where, where sort of masculinity and, and, and maleness can be, but also this sort of strong feminine power with these characters like Bridget, who is when she's upset is fierce to the point that she cowers people because of who she is yeah and and Uh, i really love that now my now one of my when you're talking about that one of my other favorites and and the way you built the character i thought was fantastic is digger i absolutely love that character yeah she is pretty much across the board i I would say most people's just downright favorite because because of her attitude and because of who she is and what she's trying to accomplish and and yeah digger is digger is a dwarf man and and i wanted to use her to demonstrate sort of the the irascibility of you know imagine a culture of people a culture that is a hundred thousand years old and what would those people be like and what would their relationship to change be like and um and, and how, how they would be structured what that respect uh hierarchy would look like so uh, it was fun to create that space as well but i do i do love digger in fact i was digger was the first character i wrote um the story behind the story is that uh, when when Trish and I got together eighteen years ago and started living together, she um, had would have night terrors. She she had trouble sleeping, and so I just started reading her to sleep. It seemed to help her get through the night, and it just became a habit and something we've been doing for you know eighteen years. Um, where I read her to sleep at night, and for the first eight years, I think I read her all of the Harry Potter series, and she really enjoyed that one. So I ended up reading it ten or twelve times because I was reading each page three or four times. It's like got her through the story as she would fall asleep. And it for me, it provided this sort of narrative structural uh, lesson. But when I finished that, after eight years of, of Harry Potter, we didn't have anything else. And we tried several other stories, but we couldn't just find anything that really worked the same way. And Trish finally asked me one night, why don't, we, why don't you just tell me one of your stories? I know you have lots of stories. Tell me about one of your characters. And Digger was a character I've had in my mind for years. And so I created a story around Digger, and then from that was the seed that blossomed into the novel. And then I said, I got serious about create crafting the rest of the story. But that's where it comes from, was reading Trish to sleep every night. Well, thank you, because I love Trish, you know, and, and, hi, and hi to her, by the way. <laughs> I haven't done that in forever, but, but also just because I loved, I mean, Digger's a genius, and, and Digger yeah. solves problems, and we know what I do for a living for a day job. I right. get called Absolutely. in to solve problems. And right. and it's like I could so relate to that. It's like silly humans get out of my way. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. You know, when, when you're the person who everybody turns to for all the answers and you give them the answers and then they don't listen. <laughs> you, you've seen the look on my face. You've seen the look on yeah. my face when it happens. Right, <laughs> so, right. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that was, you know, that's Digger and she is a... Yeah. Um, a, a terrific character, and, and some of that is an opportunity to explore, you know, the cast and class levels, and mm-hmm. what it's like to try and change your stars, and you know, something that she's trying to accomplish as a dwarf, which is very, very hard to do. So um, there's a lot, there's a lot to her character, and she's she is prominently uh, placed in all of the all of the stories. So. I yeah, I, like I say, and and 
and folks, you're hearing us go on about this. Here's what I really need you to do. Okay, I really need you to go out and buy this book because I think that you're going to enjoy it. I think that you're really going to like it and, and love the world that, that Greg has built here and the characters that he's populated it with and, and more importantly, find a way to relate on a personal level with the missions that each of a lot of these characters have because they all have mission and purpose and, and it all blends together. And that's where I really, really liked it because it was like, okay, this, these people have mission. They have purpose. Yeah, and even for people who, for whom this sort of fantasy uh, uh, style is not their genre, I've had several people read it for me, um, who for who would never pick up a fantasy novel and read it, and they they've come back and talked about how much they loved the story. That it didn't matter that it had these sort of fantastical characters because the story was good, and they read it and loved it regardless. That's so, uh, that, you sent it to me what on Thursday. I was yeah. done by this morning, and it's a 345-page yeah. book, and, yeah. and for me to do that means that I really enjoyed it, that I enjoyed the narrative and the story, that I didn't yeah. have to plow through it, that I really enjoyed it and read it. You know? it, it is a fast-paced read. It is a quick read. And, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, as big as it is, and there's a lot there, uh, I, people are, are reading it pretty quickly and enjoying it, as you point out. It's been very... Surprisingly well received. Uh, you know, you, you put your life and work into something like this, and you put it out hoping people like it, and then they start coming back, and you're almost cautious because the reviews are too good, and you're like, "Wait, uh, what's going on?" I, so, I'm not. It, and, and of all people, I would be honest with you. You know that, and I oh, yeah. really, really enjoy it, and I really recommend it for people. I enjoyed right. the story. I'm looking forward to the next novel. You know, I am right. Yeah, now. thank you. So, so, yeah, anybody who wants to read it, it is currently available on Amazon in both print and uh, e-book e um, uh, or Kindle. And uh, I am going in the, starting in the studio September 1st. I have studio time scheduled to do the audio book, which uh, uh, will be released for Christmas is the plan for that. And, um, but, yeah, please go check it out. Uh, you can, you know, do the look inside, read the first 30 pages. Most people say that they read the first chapter and they're hooked. And it's open for anybody to read, so go check it out. Uh, and, and please, folks, do that. Um, Stranger in the Valley, Gregory Haley. It, it is, it's a fantastic read. It really is. And, and I, I, I recommend it. I really do. And, and just on another note, because we know some of the audiences that will be listening to this podcast this week, it's our chance to say hello because I say normally we, you and I would be together this week and we'd be with those people. So it's Absolutely. our chance to say hi to them. Um, yeah, hello, hello, my Brushwood family, friends. Uh, love you all. I am, you know, there are lots and lots of reasons why it didn't work out. I was uh, just in San Francisco last week. I've got uh, my, in my real-time job, I'm a journalist. I work for an international um, magazine that covers the semiconductor industry. So I was just at a big, industry trade show that finished yesterday so i would have missed the first week and then i had uh the uh, several uh quite a bit of interest in the book from people who've read it and reviewed it and are wanting to do podcasts and talk about it so i just my life right now is focused on getting this novel um uh published and out to everyone so they can read it and enjoy it and getting through this this busy time and i look forward to seeing everyone next year so hello everyone I get that because I work five miles down the road from Brushwood and there's just yeah. no way I can get up be because of the work schedule that we have now and because of 
of what we've made ourselves into post pandemic, you know, so much more than just one festival, but it's like, it's a full-time job, you know, and it's like, so it's like, I wish I could get up there, but I can't, you know, when it's time, when it's time to get away, when it's time to come home and do laundry and pay bills, it's time to come home and do laundry and pay bills. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It was a tough choice. We, we, uh, we struggled with the choice, but finally at the end, like, you know what, We'll miss this year to get the get the book out, get some of this other work done, and look, you know, make our plans for next year. And mm-hmm. we'll be looking forward to seeing everyone. So. And and of course, the the plan I told you about what I'm doing with music for the for the rest of the show, past the interview here, I think there's a group of people that I think they've got enough collective brain cells to crack the code. I'm going to put there. I can <laughs> say it right now. Yeah, I'll tell. And I told Greg what I'm doing with the music past this interview is every piece of music on the show is going to have a tie back to literary something. And and I'll let y'all, I'll come up with something cool for the first person to figure it, figure it all out. Figure the code out. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoys it. Um, Kip, thank you so much for the interview. And everybody enjoy the book. I'm sure you will. Oh, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. And, uh, and thank you so much. And, and hopefully we will see one another here within the year. And and, and so we too. won't and we won't take so long <laughs> to talk again. Yeah. But that's a deal. <laughs> that's a deal. All right, my friend. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Kip. Dorothy was a waitress on the promenade. She worked a night shift. Dishwater blonde, tall and fine. She got a lot of tips. Well, earlier I'd been talking stuff in a violent room, fighting with lovers past. I needed someone with a quicker wit than mine. Dorothy was fast Well I ordered Yeah, let me get a fruit cocktail I ain't too hungry Dorothy laughed She said it sound like a real man to me You're kind of cute You wanna take a bath? Do you wanna? Do you wanna? Bath Oh, I said cool I'm leaving my pants on What you say? Cause I'm kind of cool Someone just a sound like a real man to me. Mind if I turn on the radio? Oh, my favorite song, she said. Dorothy made me laugh. 
another bubble bath My pants on All the fighting stop Next time I do it Prince with one of the lesser-known cuts off a of Sign of the Times and, and a 2020 remix of it. And you heard the interview with Greg, and you heard what I talked about. Here's the challenge. There's a challenge and a puzzle here. Um, you heard that first opening cut. You just heard that one. And for about the next hour, I'm going to shut up and play nothing but music. There are nothing but literary references in every one of these pieces of music. A couple of them are gimmies. A couple of them you're really going to have to research and scratch your head. Um, one of them, outright I'll tell you right now, has nothing to do with the song itself, but with the artist who's singing it. Um, there's three at the end that all come off of Broadway, Broadway shows. And making that connection is going to be interesting. There's one song on here, the challenge will be to catch all the literary references in it. Um, and here's the deal, all right? If you can get 80%, 80% of it right, and there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. If you can get 80% of those right, okay? If you can get, say, 14 of them right, 13 of them right, you will get mentioned on the show, and uh, we'll do an interview. If you can get 100% of them right, even if it's a group of you, I promise that I will give you an interview. Not a bad deal, Desolation Angel Radio, of course, has 30,000 listeners just about every episode, national, international. We've got listeners in Belize, Sweden, the UK, Canada, all across the United States, um, I'm going to say it averages about 30,000 listeners, and if you've got a particular passion project of your own that you want to talk about and get out to listeners, it's a good opportunity to do that, and if you can get 70 to 80% of these right, I'll give it to you, okay? I will find you, and, and we will do that interview, and like I say, even if it's a group of you, and I'll do a group interview. There's, there's one song in particular here that I know where someone is this week, and... This particular red-headed gentleman with some gray creeping in with his uh, particular interest in Civil War history, there's one cut on here. He should be able to figure out the uh, reference right away. 
you know, and, and the novel that it refers to. There's a couple of them that are way out there. All of these are from my personal collection, so of course there's no one genre. They span, they span it from Broadway shows to funk to country to rock to just everything. I listen to everything except pop for anybody that knows me. And, uh, and so that's the deal. And anybody that, that is a listener knows how to get a hold of me. Most people have my phone number. Most people have me on Facebook. You know how to get a hold of me, and it's a dead serious promise. If you can, if you can, number one, you're going to impress me if you can figure out even 70 or 80% of the literary references in here. And that's even with a couple of the gimmies that we've got in here. Um, and number two, yeah, if you've got a particular passion project of your own, and we all know that I do interviews with not just musicians, not just authors, but I interview people who are working in the community for good causes always, you know, that are trying to make the world a better place if they want to talk about that. Um, I've got interviews coming up with Sean Madden, uh, Flash Bam Pow for Music is Art here in Buffalo, which is a, a, in the fall a great combination of um, music and art that, that's all put on. Uh, Robbie Takak of the Goo Goo Dolls uh, was the original founder and then a lot of people that I know are now part of it. Uh, Chet and Rowe at Blossom Buffalo, um, Mark Madden, Don Madden, everybody involved there to try and make that happen. And, and again, just trying to make the world a little better place. The world, the world, it, and it's what I was talking about, and, and you'll hear it in the interview that I'm um, gonna put out second this week with The Breakfast Club, where, where I talk about the fact that a lot of the people I'm involved with are fully recognizing that the world has become, in a lot of ways, a very ugly place, and our it's our job to try and make it a better place. In terms of anything else, um, and what's coming up this summer, and I'll get through this and shut up and get to the music and get on to it. But uh, we've got a lot more coming up at the Heron this summer. Um, on August uh, 11th and 12th, we have the Great Flamingo, which is being sponsored by the Jackrabbit here in Buffalo and Aqueous. Aqueous is getting ready to take a hiatus from the road. They're getting ready to step down off the road. They're planning on playing five sets, um, including one daytime set. Um, they've got Aqueous has, has a very long and storied history with, with the Heron Grounds, but they've also got a great lineup, Dopapod, Tauk, Munion, um, a Tony Hawk Pro Skater tribute set. That's going to be led by Aqueous's own Mike Ganser, um, Tanned, which is Aqueous drummer Rob Houck's new band, Woody Tarbox, we, you know that those boys are my neighbors, and I love them, the Pickle Mafia, Damone Jackson's Outcome. What an incredible drummer Damone Jackson is. So that's August 11th and 12th, and you can find that on Facebook, um, The Great Flamingo or greatflamingo.com. We've got another event coming Labor Day weekend. We are sponsoring, the Heron is sponsoring, we have Boombox coming, um, and and that is a, is a big deal. I mean, we got Boombox coming on Labor Day weekend. On September 8th, and 10th, the weekend after that, the Firelights Festival is moving to the Heron Grounds from where it was in Erie, Pennsylvania. And I've been talking with those kids. Um, they're great people about, you know, putting together a good show and, and how to make that show happen. And they want all of us there, even though they're like, no, you guys know how to do it and you know how to do it well. So, you know, we'll, we'll do that for anybody that is been familiar with, with that and, and how that all goes. Um, they want to they want to make it bigger than it was, and they want to bring it to, to what it was. So I think that that's really kind of very, very cool. Their lineup is incredible. That's mostly EDM. We've got uh, 
a whole lot of things coming up. Like I say, we rethought what we were doing. The first weekend in August is a great rhythm revival. And that's Jim Donovan uh, of Jim Donovan and the Sun King Warriors, who used to be part of Rusted Root. He comes in and it's a, it's a weekend centered, not just on music, but, but on wellness, on, on breathing and, and meditation and, and breath work and, and trying to be, you know, the, the best, the best people we can be, you know, and that's one I always enjoy that that's one that that just I I look forward to that weekend because for anybody that knows what I do there that's uh that's my thing um we've set up what we call intentional camping weekends all right and we've got one in August one in September and on those ones that's those are weekends that are really about connection and community created feasts there's a lot of meditation there's a lot of eating together and cooking together as a community there's guided forest walks there's everything possible that you could hope to have with with that and and you know especially when you watch people come together and and try to create a community and they do create a community and create it well and and that is something that you know we're again we we cannot get enough of we we love that they came to us and wanted to do that um start looking ahead next year to the 31st great blue heron music festival july 5th 6th and 7th out at the heron um if you want to know more about intentional camping get a hold of me or or look at the heron website um which is theheron.org there's a lot there where that can tell you i've got like i said i've got another episode coming up this week with the breakfast club those those eight of us that we all went, we've been friends for 50 years and, and it goes way beyond how are the kids and grandkids. We're friends. We love one another, support one another, are there for one another through everything and have one another's backs. And that's highly unusual, but that's how we were all the way through, you know? So you can listen to that and listen to passion projects that people have there, like Mary with the O'Leary Foundation, Steve with his, his passion around uh, adopting and, and fostering disabled dogs, um, Jill's passions down in Belize, Tom with restoring old lighthouses, Diane with Chicago architecture, Gina with, you know, still working as, as a nursing instructor and trying to help her friends out and, and get them where they need to be around the world. Um, Paula with, with her, you know, completely reinvented herself mid-career and, and now is a tutor for, for blind students in the Los Angeles School District. And then my own passion projects here in Buffalo, like the Nomad Project. And uh, recently, uh, some friends of mine uh, who worked for me during the pandemic on that task force, their 10-year-old daughter was diagnosed with stage three cancer, a brain tumor. And we've all kind of rallied around for Molly to see what we can do to help with that. I'm gonna shut up, get back into the music. Like I said, there's a literary reference in every one of these songs and everybody who participates, everybody who gets a hold of me, you're gonna get mentioned on the air to those 30,000 listeners. Um, and if you can get 70 to 80% of them right, let's do an interview, an interview about what fires you up, what your passion is, what it is in life, whether it be art or something social or something in the community and, and get it out there so that people hear about it and know about it. And this first one should pretty much be a gimme.
fighting man And I come from County Clare And the Brits will hang me for a finion So I took my leave of there And across the ocean in the Ariane The violets tubble float And the captain's brother was a railroad man And he met us at the boat So I joined up with the 20th Maine Like I said, my friend, I'm a fighting man We're marching south in the pouring rain We're all going down to When the Johnnies came like a banshee on the wind And the smoke to have forget his bird Many a mother wept For many a good boy died Dear sure and air smelled just like death I am Corrine of the 20th Maine And I marched to hell and back again Colonel Joshua Chamberlain We all going down the Dixon Seven hard nights in a 62 Chevy The broke tail lights, an eastbound man In a westbound lane, a dishwater blonde About 16 was standing on the shoulder With a ribbon in her hair, her hand on her hip And her thumb in the air, and I pulled off the road And as she grabbed for the door, I knew the wind was cold Cause I'd seen it all before and I was scared Things ain't never what they seem When you find you living in your own dream Now the moonlight peeked in and out behind the clouds Now and again on this godless child And the radio was scrambled, crackling in the air The ribbon she wore looked old in her hair And I saw the moonlight sliver dead down on her face 
I knew it was true She was in the wrong place In the wrong time In the wrong tale I knew when I'd ask her She'd hiss Christabel Things ain't never what they seem When you find you living in your own dream She was after the man who had left her alone With no father beside her love Long time gone and a snake deep inside her A hiss in her head The rest that had been her was dying or dead And she'd a taste for young women with pearly white skin She spat on the floor when she spoke of the man Who made her like this, who had written her tale This medieval maid they called Christabel Things ain't never what they seem When you find you living in your own dream Then she breathed out the story of her lover-to-be The night shining armor on a silvery steed Who longed to be worthy so he sought the crusade While she waited, breath-baited, in linen brocade But a pair of black eyes wove round her a spell The snake they called Lydia seduced Christabel And she cuddled her tender, she poisoned her soul She stole her young body and made it her own Things ain't never what they seem When you find you living in your own dream Now the knight would love Lydia in Christabel's arms Lydia would have him should he ever return But Lydia was left with the story undone No silvery steed, no castle, no throne Half woman, half serpent entwined in a spell A barge black and fancy this medieval tale And she faded at dawning To burden the beast Deep in the dreams of those bound for the east like me Things ain't never what they seem When you find you living in your own dream Things ain't never what they seem
I never believe that people come to my shows or to rock shows in general to be told anything. But I do believe that they come to be reminded of things, to be reminded of who they are, that they're most joyous, that they're deepest when life feels full. It's a good place to get in touch with your heart and your spirit. It's good to be amongst the crowd, be reminded of who we are and who we can be collectively. And music does those things pretty well. Sometimes they can come in pretty handy, and particularly these days when some reminding of who we are and who we can be isn't such a bad thing. You know, uh, I, re I refer back to the weekend of the March for Our Lives when we saw all those young people in Washington and citizens all around the country remind us of what faith in America and what real faith in American democracy and how sacred that is. That weekend, you just saw what it actually looked and felt like. And it was just encouraging to see all those people out on the street and all that righteous passion alive in the service of something good. To see it still there at the center of the beating heart of our country. And in spite of what we've been going through, and it was a good day, you know, it was just... It was just one good day, but it was a necessary day because these are times when we've also seen folks marching and in the highest offices of our land who want to speak to our darkest angels, who want to call up the ugliest and the most divisive ghosts of America's past, and they want to destroy the idea of an America for all. That's their intention. That's what we've been seeing in the outrage of the broken families on the border and in hate-filled marches on American streets this year. Things I never thought I would see again in my lifetime. Things that I thought were dead and gone forever on the ash heap of history. You know, We've come too far and worked too hard. Too many good people paid too high a price, paid, paid with their lives to allow this to happen now. You know, there's been too much hard work done and sacrifice. This beautiful quote by Dr. King says, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. It is important to believe in those words and to carry yourself and to act accordingly, to live with compassion and have faith in that what we're seeing now is just another hard chapter in a long, long on ongoing battle. Walking along the railroad tracks Going someplace there's no going back 
Highway patrol choppers coming up over the ridge Hot soup on a campfire under the bridge Trailed her line stretching around the corner Welcome to the new world order Family sleeping in their cars in the southwest No home, no job, no peace, no rest well, the highway's alive at night But nobody's kidding nobody about where it goes I'm sitting down here in the campfire line Searching for the ghost of Tom Jones He pulls a prayer book out of his sleeping bag Preacher lights up a button, takes a drag Waiting for when the last shall be first and the first shall be last In a cardboard box neath the underpass You got a one-way ticket to the promised land You got a hole in your belly and a gun in your hand Sleeping on a pillow of solid rock Bathing in the city aqueduct. Well, the highway's alive at night. Where it's heading, everybody knows. I'm sitting down here in the campfire line, waiting on the ghost of Tom Jones. Tom said Mom wherever there's a cop beating a guy wherever a hungry newborn baby cries where there's a fight against the blood and hatred in the air look for me mom I'll be there wherever somebody's fighting for a place to stand or a decent job or a helping hand Wherever somebody's struggling to be free Look in their eyes, Mom, you'll see me Well, the highway's alive at night Where it's headed, everybody knows I'm sitting down here in the campfire line with the ghost of old Tom Jode.
should be obvious Ben Nichols with that one uh, the one before that should be obvious too you're gonna have a little difficult time with the one just before that from the doors Elton John and Leon Russell should be able to figure that one out you're gonna have to dig some on that Robert Earl Keane cut and uh, Steve Earl and, and the Del McCurry band with that one they put out there again you, you got to know Civil War history and I've read Civil War novels to even understand that one the next one after this you're going to have to dig some because the reference isn't even in the song and it's not even in the title of the song i'll tell you that i'll give you that clue after this there's some others that are more obvious one that you're going to think you got right away but no you got to do some research and then ones you got to dig on desolation angel radio you heard the interview with greg please go to amazon by Stranger in the Valley. I'm going to finish out with some music here. Desolation Angel Radio, of course, is available for subscription, streaming, listening, downloading on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, every major podcast distributor. It's out there, and uh, you can get yourself in and stay current with everything that's happening. Here we go.
top Makes you wonder why they stopped here Wagon must have lost a will Or they lacked ambition one In the great migration west Separated from the rest Though they might have tried their best They never caught the sun So the sun roots down in this dirt To keep from blowing off the earth They built a town right here And when the dust had all but cleared They called it leveling The pride of man Don't 
Caught between the twisted stars, the plotted lines, the faulty map that brought Columbus to New York. Betwixt between the east and west, he calls on her wearing a leather vest, the earth squeals and shudders to a halt. A diamond crucifix in his ear is used to help word off the fear that he has left his soul in someone's rented car. Inside his pants, he hides a mop to clean the mess that he has dropped into the life of lightsome Juliet Bell. And Romeo wanted Juliet. And Juliet wanted Romeo. And Romeo wanted Juliet. And Juliet wanted Romeo. Romeo Rodriguez squares his shoulders and curses. Jesus runs a comb through his black ponytail. He's thinking of his lonely room The sink that by his bed gives off a stink Then smells her perfume in his eyes And her voice was like a bell Outside the streets were steaming The crack dealers were dreaming Of the Uzi someone had just scored I bet you I can hit that light with my one good arm behind my back, says little Joey Diaz. Brother, give me another tote. Those downtown hoods are no damn good. Those Italians need a lesson to be taught. This cop who died in Harlem, you think they get the warning? I was dancing when I saw his brains run out on the street. And Romeo had Juliet. And Juliet had her Romeo. And Romeo had Juliet And Juliet had a Romeo I'll take Manhattan in a garbage bag with Latin rent on it that says It's hard to give a shit these days Manhattan sinking like a rock Until the filthy Hudson, what a shock They wrote a book about it, they said it was like ancient Rome The perfume burned his eyes Holding tightly to her thighs And something flickered for a minute And then it vanished and was gone
postcards overhanging. They're painted in passports brown. Beauty parlors filled with sailors. The circus is in town. In walks the blind commissioner. They got him in a trance. One hand is tied to the tightrope walker. The other is in his pants. And they're right squad. They're restless. They need somewhere to go. This lady and I look out tonight on the desolation road. Cinderella, she seems so easy. Takes one to know one, she smiles. Puts her hands in her back pockets. Betty Davis style. And in walks Romeo, he's moaning. You belong to me, I believe. Someone says you're in the wrong place, my friend. You'd better leave. And the only sound you can hear after the ambulance is gone. Cinderella sweeping up on Desolation Road. On her 22nd birthday, she already is an old maid. To her, death is quite romantic. She wears an iron vest. Her profession's her religion. Her sin is her lifelessness. Desolation Road Now Einstein disguises Robin Hood With his memories in a trunk Passed this way an hour ago With his friend a jealous monk Ah, he looks so immaculately frightful Yes, he bummed a cigarette And it went all sniffing green pipes And reciting the alphabet Oh, you would think Oh, look at him But he was famous long ago For playing electric violin On Desolation Road He keeps his world inside of a leather cup And all his sexless patients They're all trying to blow it up And his nurse, some local loser She's in charge of the cyanide hole And she also keeps the cards and reads 
Yes, I received your letter yesterday About the time the door knob broke When you asked how I was doing Was that some kind of joke? These people that you mentioned Yes, I know that they're quite lame I had to rearrange their faces Give them all another name Right now I can't read so good Don't tell me now my letter's gone Not unless you mail them from Desolation Road Trinity united, I think a good memory's a Hennessy provided Memories divided by perception Will it be water for chocolate or resurrection? The path to perfection is rarely achieved I head in that direction, I dream and believe An underground dude that overachieved From the windy city I was blowing they weeds Somewhere along the way I aired out them seas But to stand out, some days you may freeze of roads as time froze the black men in the morgue with john doe's lynch for whistling the blind doe's i said a prayer with my eyes closed as i loaded the roscoe's at the sink yo i've been a bullet on the brink but being a young king probably different than you think though the quills that i dip into the ink go to document it you'll remember me when i'm extinct yo sing the carol of the young pharaoh who slew leviathan with one arrow as i revolve through the gun barrel just to watch it unravel i tell him half heart must travel keep my legacy alive even if i don't survive till a curtain call first of all realize what we're working towards fuck around find what we searching for the earth my name written in curse of all Yeah. 
time and can't let it go Not cold, unforgettable The pedestal I'm on, I'ma end up on a federal reserve No, your money with a hip-hop quote I might change legislation with some shit that I wrote For votes that we came on To lights with our name on Through hard times, we spark minds to keep the flame on I write hard rhymes like I'm running out of time Truthfully, my stopwatch is one with the divine Centuries from now, they play my freestyle And say this is the brilliance of a black American child Endowed by the streets of the shy proud Known to move in silence, but could be loud The noise of the girls and boys Building to destroy the perception of urban aggression My life is up aggression, of course, for the oppressors of chorus My story is the glory of the Lord
Thank God this moment's not the last.